Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee emphasized the experience of Christ as life and the practical oneness of the believers. He was unbending in his conviction that God's goal is not narrow sectarianism, but the body of Christ. Through his messages in these life studies, he stressed the importance for us to grow in life and to function as Christians so that the body can build itself up. We're happy to bring you recorded portions from his ministry today, along with some of our own thoughts. And we welcome your comments and questions. You can reach us toll free at 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Now let's join today's program. Ron Kangas has been kind enough to join us today to fellowship on our look at Jacob in Genesis chapter 33. Ron, welcome back again. I'm glad to be here to see how Jacob has been progressing under God's sovereign hand. Well, this message today concerning Jacob relies on understanding a little bit of his history. What had Jacob gone through since the heavenly dream that he received in chapter 28? Well, he arrived at Uncle Laban's house. He fell in love with Rachel, agreed to serve seven years. He put in the time. He was cheated in the sense that he was given the older sister, Leah, as wife, and then had to labor another seven years for Rachel. He produces a number of children. He acquires a number of flocks. He's quite blessed by God. On the one hand, Jacob is being dealt with by Laban, who cheated him and manipulated him. On the other hand, Jacob, being clever, did his best to outwit Laban. And he had a clever scheme of getting the best animals for himself. But actually, it was God's sovereignty that blessed and enriched Jacob. At a certain point, under divine direction, he left Laban Then he heard his brother Esau was coming with a huge company of people. This terrified Jacob. He had a desperate prayer before the Lord, made a wise arrangement, then entered into that memorable night of wrestling with the Lord and came out broken. After the breaking, he made peace, we may say, with Esau, his brother, and then continued on his journey But before he got all the way to Bethel, the God-ordained destination, certain things happened according to God's sovereign arrangement for Jacob's transformation. That's where we are in this life study. Let's join Witness Lee for this life study of Jacob in chapter 33. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, Every scripture is God-breathed. To believe so, we have to uh, look to the Lord that he would give us a way to see how even this portion is God-breathed. 
Oh, the daughter of Jacob was defiled, and the sons were angry, and they were so merciless, they killed all the people and plundered everything they had. The Lord has shown us even a section of the Holy Bible, like the chapter we read, is also the bread of life. There is life in it. But it needs some amount of experience to realize it. We have seen already Jacob was eventually delivered out of all his troubles. So <clears throat> chapter 33 verse 18 says, Jacob came in the way of Salem. You know, Salem means safety and peace. Oh, Jacob came back under the gracious hand of God safely in peace to Canaan. He came firstly not to Sikkim, but to Sukkot. Sukkot was a place on the east of Jordan, not crossing the river of Jordan yet. In God's eyes, he still didn't come back to the good land. Firstly, he built himself a house, and uh, he built booths for his cattle. By this, you can see how much Jacob was still so naturally for himself. Surely he forgot <laughs> the dream he had at Bethel when he was fleeing from his brother Esau after he saw the dream in the night. He called that place Bethel. And he poured out the oil upon the stone, which he used as a pillow. And he called the stone a house of God. In other words, he did promise to God that he will build a house for God. Jacob forgot, we shouldn't forget. We have to say, Jacob, for what purpose you come back? Does the Lord want you to come back to build a house for yourself? How about the house of God? Ron, to me, this is very interesting. Jacob, as we've seen already, had the crucial dream in chapter 28. But here in chapter 33, he stops so short of that marvelous view uh, instead, building up something for himself. This is probably a common experience for all of us at times in our own Christian life, isn't it? I don't mean to adjust your question, but instead of probably, I would say surely. And instead of common, I would say universal. We are all Jacob. We are not better, and actually we are not worse. We're the same. We may see something of God's purpose revealed in the Word and we give ourselves to it. 
but we're so much for ourselves and we are so natural that is lacking the divine element. So even as we're following the Lord, even as we're obeying the word of the Lord, we may be simultaneously doing something for ourselves. The critical point is that instead of building up God's house, we may build up our own. This shows us two things. Number one, that in and of ourselves, we simply are not for God. We're just for ourselves, for our own interests. We cannot be for God. There's nothing in our old nature that's for God. The second thing is parallel to the first. All is of God's grace. Our being chosen is of God's grace. Our being saved is of God's grace. Our being blessed is of God's grace. Our consecrating ourselves to him is of God's grace. Our continuing with him is of God's grace. Our persevering with him is of God's grace. So we need to realize these two things. Number one, not to trust ourselves, not to even trust our vows of commitment, but to trust solely and absolutely in the grace of the sovereign triune God. Thank you, Ron. Let's rejoin Witness Lee for more of this life study. Eventually, Jacob got to know that was not the right place for him to stay with God. So, from Sukkot, he went over to Sikkim. To reach Sikkim means that Jacob followed his forefather's step. Here it says, he erected a tent and he built an altar. This is much better than to build a house for himself and booths for the cattle. Now you can see he not only followed the footsteps of his forefather, but also he picked up the tent line. And he had also the altar testimony. This is gold, but this is still not vessel. Still not vessel. You see, Jacob had the dream at vessel. He was asked by the Lord when he was there in his uncle's home to come back to the father's land that indicated that he should come back to Bethel to fulfill his vow to God, building a house of God. I just could understand whether he forgot absolutely or he didn't like to pay the price. In Sikkim, Jacob had the altar built, but not the house of God. It was good, but not up to the level God wanted. So, one day, something happened. Jacob had 12 sons, one daughter. Only one daughter. To have the unique daughter defiled is not so easy. You just consider this defiling 
was very extraordinary. But to God, this was not an accident. Don't misunderstand me that God would have your daughter defiled. No, I don't mean that. This unfortunate happening transpired under the sovereign hand of God to uh, perfect this call one of God. God has a purpose with this one. Today, the principle is the same. God surely has a purpose with every one of us. God's purpose, in brief, is to have his house on this earth, to have Bethel built on this earth. Then all the twelve sons, when they heard the news, they all came back home. And right away, they did something. Number one, followed their father's deceiving message. Ah, they are the real sons of Jacob. Apparently, they didn't reject any claim, but they accepted in a deceiving way. Then said, okay, we will give the damsel to you, but you all have to be circumcised. <laughs> then, when the third day came, everybody was so sore. <laughs> My, these two brothers, Simeon and Levi, went to kill, to slaughter everyone. Is this a family of God-called ones? <laughs> I tell you, all these, the daughter, Dinah, and all the slaughtered people, and even the twelve sons, all these were sacrifices for the perfecting of only one person. You couldn't believe that the Lord would sacrifice many just for perfecting you. Well, to sacrifice so many for the perfecting of one is a great thing. Because this one is the unique one in whom and with whom and through whom God's eternal purpose could be fulfilled. You could save Dinah. You could save all the killed ones. You could save all the twelve sons. But if you damage this unique one Jacob, what about the Lord's eternal purpose? Ron, a meaningful story is unfolded here. The story of Jacob's only daughter and the reaction of his sons following her defilement. But what is there to be seen by the sacrifice and slaughter of so many just for the perfection of one man, Jacob, for God's purpose? One of the main things to be seen is that God is determined to fulfill his purpose. God has predestinated us, as Paul says in Romans 8.29, to be conformed to the image of his Son, Nothing will stop him. Nothing will frustrate him. Another thing we see is that in his determination to gain us for his economy, 
God uses all things, all persons, all matters, all situations in our environment to touch us deeply so that we may be transformed. It seems that the Lord is even willing to sacrifice certain persons and matters for our benefit. So let's be impressed that our God is determined to have his way with us. And our determined, transforming God wisely and in his love uses all persons, all things, and all matters available to him in our environment to accomplish his purpose of conforming us to the image of Christ, his firstborn son. So here in Genesis we see that God in particular used people to touch Jacob. We should not be surprised that God will use this person, perhaps a boss or a co-worker or a teacher or a son or daughter or a friend or someone on the freeway even. God will use persons sovereignly to touch us very deeply that he may gain us. We need to come out of our study of Jacob with a deep respect for and appreciation of God's grace and God's sovereignty. God is in control. God is determined to fulfill his purpose. And God will do whatever he needs to do through whatever means to gain us for his heart's desire. Ron, these programs, these stories, these events that happened to Jacob all have seemed to serve to reinforce that very one thought. My prayer is that the Lord would gain this in all of us. Yes, we need to pray, and even this prayer is an expression of God's mercy, of God's grace, that we would see what he wants and open up and say, Lord, since you want to do this, I say amen to your perfect will. Let's rejoin Witness Lee. After the slaughter, Jacob said, You sins surely did something so bad to me. I am now thinking in the eyes of all the local people. I don't have a peace. I don't have any safety. Suppose the local people will join together and they will come to attack me and then what? Then I and you all will be killed. We'll be finished. I sure like the word end at the beginning of the next chapter. And God said unto Jacob, Aha, now surely God can speak a word to you. And now surely you can take in whatever God would speak. Just two days ago, if God came, and told Jacob, Jacob, arise and go. He would think this might be my imagination. <laughs> now, I tell you, after these two things happened, one, the daughter got developed, two, all the sons made the trouble. God came in. Jacob, Arise and go up to Bethel. 
many, many times, I would say too many times, without such an unfortunate environment, we couldn't listen to the Word of God. And God would not be that foolish to say some word to us in vain. So he would wait till something will happen to you. These two things happened to Jacob. Just good for Jacob to take this word. Go up to Bethel and dwell there and build the altar unto the very God who appeared to you when you were fleeing your brother Esau. Well, don't just listen to the story. You must listen to your own biography. If you give me the time, I can testify, not only once, probably at least three or four times, I did the same thing as Jacob. I just forgot my vow. I forgot my consecration. I do believe all of you made some consecration to the Lord. Right? Especially at some hard time. Oh, we vowed. Saying, oh Lord, from today I consecrate myself to you. If. If you would bring me through all the difficulties and bring me back safely, then I will take you as my God. And I will build this place, a house, to you. We all have to see to wow to the Lord is one thing. To fulfill it. <laughs> to carry it out, <laughs> you need one daughter and twelve sons. <laughs> plus a sitcom. And plus so many others. Well, Ron, once again, to see Jacob in the light of Revelation is really just to see ourselves. We make vows to God so quickly and lightly whenever our environment brings suffering. But we just as quickly seem to forget these vows when our circumstance improves. But it seems that God doesn't so quickly forget these vows, does he, Ron? Not at all. Some matters here are worthy of fellowship and consideration. First is that God needs us to respond to him and to cooperate with him. Even though in ourselves we're not able to do it, God needs to draw forth our amen, our response, as feeble as it may be, to his working in us. So in the midst of certain situations, we will pray and we will promise. And God appreciates this. God wants this. We, however... Being in a different situation may forget or lose sight of our commitment. Such is our fallen nature. Such is our selfishness. We cannot trust ourselves. But our God never forgets. The vow we made to him, the consecration we made to him in the midst of a particular situation will be honored by him. We may forget, 
but he never forgets. How I rejoice that my God never forgets my consecration to him, and he will be faithful to it, he will honor it, and on the basis of it, he will gain what he wants to gain in me and us all. So we should give ourselves to him, but our trust should not be in ourselves, but in the God who honors our consecration, the God who is faithful to himself and to us, to work with us, on us, in us, and through us, to fulfill his eternal purpose in order to satisfy the desire of his heart. Thank you very much, Ron. This was wonderful fellowship and a very enlightening life study today. May the Lord bless us all, Jacobs that we are. Amen. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee spent seven decades in the 20th century speaking Christ, first in Asia and then North America, eventually all over the world. The culmination of those 70 years of ministry was his Life Study of the Bible, an exhaustive exposition of the entire scriptures. This unique commentary focuses on how Christ can be life to man in an experiential and practical way. These programs encapsulate Witnessly speaking in just 26 minutes. But to get the complete riches, visit lifestudy.com. From there you can read all of the Life Study messages in their entirety or download any of our more than 1,700 audio programs at no cost. Again, that website is lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.